Well, all these things that uh, we're talking about here are life groups. We have, you don't have to memorize all those different dates and stuff, but the handout is back there on the back table uh, for you to grab and take with you so that you don't um, miss out on those things. Uh, Before we get going, I'd love for um, Veronica, Veronica Emmert, where are you at? Okay, she's not available this morning. Okay, I was going to have her share something if she was around, but we'll do it another time. It is uh, throughout Scripture we find that the life of the early believer, if you look in Acts 2 and different places in the early church, we see uh, a lot of different areas where the, the church as the people themselves are involved in a number of different contexts, in small groups, in big groups, uh, individual basis, connecting with friends, building relationships, building community around the person of Jesus Christ. And sometimes we find that as followers of Jesus that we think, you know, maybe it's just me and Jesus and I can, I can just do it on my own. But then we realize as we go and navigate life that we really need relationships and as important and wonderful as this time is when we gather together corporately like this, we've got to have other contexts that we gather in. And uh, so we encourage you, get involved with life groups. That's really where the relationships take place. This is more of a context for equipping and, and uh, preparing and, and for us to, to go out, for us to worship together. But um, we really want to encourage you to get involved in those life groups. And there's some amazing opportunities there. You will not be disappointed, I'm telling you. So, we, uh, last week, we were, I was sharing with us just on prayer and keeping it real. Keeping prayer real. Talking about some of the funny things that we do in terms of the repetition that we use in prayer. Oftentimes the self-centeredness, you know, that can be there. Lord, we do need a good day sometimes, but Lord, give us a good day. And, but uh, how we can turn that around. And God, we want to give you a good day. Uh, bowed head, eyes closed. Where did that come from? Where did that come from? When we read here that God has given us, Jesus has provided a relationship with our Father. I can't remember the last time my kids came to me and, you know, as they began to speak to me, they closed their eyes and bowed their head and say, Dad, I have a question for you. Usually that's kind of a fear response, isn't it? Thing of, oh man, I better hunker down here and get ready for a good whack. But that's not who our father is. So anyway, we talked about some of those things as we're getting into uh, this further into deeper into this scripture in Luke chapter 11. Let's turn there. If you have your Bibles in some shape or form, digital or otherwise, I would encourage you to, uh, to have the real thing, uh, with you. There's something about having that, the pages with you that you can mark up, take notes. And, uh, that is, is really, a a wonderful thing. So we want to continue just with part two of this section here in Luke chapter 11. And they're saying, Lord, teach us to pray. Teach us to become prayer. And Holy Spirit, we're asking that you would 
uh, open up Your Word. Help us to see it um, for what it truly is. Help us to value it the way that we saw these other brothers and sisters where the word, Your Word is not very common uh, for them, but that You would take away the familiarity in all that we are and all that we do in Jesus' name. But He said, I'm going to teach you to pray like this. Father, may Your name be honored. God, You're so good. God, You're the best. May Your kingdom come soon. Give us food day by day. Forgive us our sins just as we forgive those who have sinned against us. And don't let us yield to temptation. This particular issue that I want us to highlight for us this morning is this issue of forgiveness. Forgiveness, even though we may not recognize it, is what gives us great hope. We may not, you know, focus on that and necessarily recognize that on a regular basis, but it's what gives us hope. I remember praying and asking Jesus to come into my life when I was six years old. So I don't really remember a before Jesus too much. I don't have a whole lot of memories where somebody else may have, you know, a little bit different past where they met Jesus much later in life. And so their, their life before Jesus really reflected that. I don't think my life would have been any different from a lot of people. I just didn't have maybe enough time if you will, to kind of really mess things up on my own before really surrendering my life to Christ. And that is the key factor is Jesus changes everything. Jesus changes everything, but it's his forgiveness that gives us such great hope. Can you imagine life without forgiveness? You see, without forgiveness, we're stuck. But we become familiar with forgiveness. It's like, oh yeah, Jesus forgave me. Oh yeah, I took communion again today. Wasn't that cool? We weren't there. We don't have a visual image necessarily unless we've seen the passion of the Christ or something. We don't have that experience necessarily to to really get into No, really, this person came from heaven and died for me. And his blood was that down payment, the full payment on my forgiveness. What would we do if we couldn't forgive or be forgiven? We would be stuck, wouldn't we? You know when somebody, you've you've done something wrong to someone and they they say, I forgive you. Isn't there this like, there's this weight that just comes off of you. What if that weight were to continue to build up, build up, build up, build up? A great visual is Pilgrim's Progress. Right? Christian is going along and he's got this massive burden on his back strapped to himself. And finally, when he receives, he's at the foot of the cross, he receives the forgiveness of his sins and that burden comes off of him. And he is, he's a new man. He's a new creation. The Bible is really clear. 
Here it is. Forgive or die. Forgive or die. And we're talking about our relationships with one another here at this point. In other words, receive forgiveness and forgive others just as we have been forgiven. Or the alternative is to live hell on earth. That's the only other alternative that we have. Ann Landers, good old Ann Landers. She listened to this. Hate is like an acid. It damages the vessel in which it is stored and destroys the vessel in which it is poured. It's like an acid. It just damages the vessel in which it is stored. That's us as the one who is maybe unforgiving and destroys the vessel in which it is poured into. So we have the unforgiven Be unforgiven by God. Those who have not been forgiven, who will not be forgiven by God, they make up the population of hell. That's who's in hell. Those who refuse to forgive in this life, they get to live hell on earth. Many... I was just talking with somebody when we were on our vacation... And there's a family member of ours, and they were talking about some things that they had done in their past. And this person had had done this even as a pastor, where he had hurt a lot of people. And he said, you know, I just, I've never been able to forgive myself for what I did to those people. Not by a show of hands, but I think probably... We can relate to doing that. We've all done things to hurt other people. We've all been hurt, but it's, it seems like a lot of times we're able to forgive more than we're able to receive forgiveness. It's different for different people. But there is, many live under this immense burden of trying to forgive ourselves. But there's nothing in Scripture that it would indicate that we are to actually forgive ourselves. Just like there's nothing in Scripture that would indicate that we're supposed to love ourselves. Scripture acknowledges that we do, right? Love your neighbor as you love yourself. But when we get into, but it does strict, you know, directly direct us, directly direct us, directly command us to love God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. It calls us to forgive others. And let's go back to the text again, because you might be asking, well, didn't it just say, and to forgive us our sins? But you'll notice it's connected to something. There's a condition, there's a conditional statement connected to the verse before it. And forgive us our sin, just as we forgive those who have sinned against us. So the whole point is, he's assuming we're going to forgive. And the only way that we're forgiven ourselves is if we choose to forgive others. Our responsibility is to receive the forgiveness that Jesus already paid for. That's our responsibility. That's why it's so difficult for us to forgive ourselves for the things that we've done to other people. 
And I, as I shared with this family member, I just shared with him, I said, you know, maybe your struggle is that you're trying to do something that God hasn't called you to do. Because God calls us to receive His forgiveness that He already paid for at the cross. Finished, completed. All we have to do, that's our responsibility because we think that's too great. So much of our life is based upon performance. Our job, school, all these different things. And that's why it's so hard for us to believe that this grace gift is absolutely free. His forgiveness once and for all, paid at the cross, seems too good to be true. Somehow, in order for me to uh, be forgiven, I've got to do something to earn this. He says, receive it. Why would God make such a big deal and take this so personally in terms of us forgiving other people? I mean, think about it. Father paid for our forgiveness with His Son's blood. What a price. What a price that He paid so that we too could forgive just like He did with us. He set the bar so high that no one could say, my situation is too big. My situation is too great. To send His Son so that we could be forgiven. No one is exempt from this. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is all about forgiveness. It's about us receiving God's forgiveness and giving God's forgiveness to one another. Like so much of God's Word, I know that God's Word is tested. And when we start dealing with these types of things, I wonder what am I going to have to maybe experience for God to have His his full way in my life. I want to show us a, a video and uh, maybe somebody could grab the lights for me in the back so we can see this better on the screens. But I want us to look at this and there's an artist, you'll hear his name is Matthew West. And he's going to, he wrote a song based upon a story that he heard about and uh, about a particular family and what they went through. And I want to give us just a little visual on what this is about. Go ahead and play that, John. This one story in particular has had a profound impact on me. It's about a woman who did the impossible, and it made me ask myself if I could do the same. Renee had four kids. Two of her daughters were twins. Megan was coming home from the beach one night with her best friend when their car was... if there's any way to get the chicken nuggets off there. People are dying of hunger right now, ready to run out the door. And... This one story in particular has had a profound impact on me. It's about a woman who did the impossible, and it made me ask myself, 
if I could do the same. Renee had four kids. Two of her daughters were twins. Megan was coming home from the beach one night with her best friend when their car was struck by a drunk driver named Eric, a 24-year-old kid. Megan lost her life. Eric killed both girls that were in the car. Renee lost her daughter in an instant. Megan is um, a very joyful child and had a heart of gold, beautiful, loved people, loved her family, um, just a joy of my life. And um, when she was 20 years old, on May 11, 2002, my sister-in-law came to the door to tell me that um, Megan had been in a car accident and she didn't make it. You know, my heart was so broken and I looked at her and said, no, you're kidding. And, you know, still looking for her to tell me that, that she's, this is not really true, that Megan wasn't coming back home. Next thing she knows, she finds herself in a courtroom watching this young man, this 24-year-old man, get sentenced to 22 years in prison. After Renee lost her daughter, she said she found herself in the darkest place she'd ever been. This guy Eric was behind bars, but she said she felt like the prisoner. Why? Because she had all this bitterness and hatred built up towards that young man. And so she reached out and did the impossible. She reached out to Eric in prison and said, I forgive you. The ripple effects of that act of forgiveness are still being felt today. That young man's life was absolutely changed because this woman forgave him. He said, I can't even forgive myself and she forgave me. One by one, all of Renee's family members followed her lead and they reached out and expressed forgiveness to Eric. So much so that now they describe Eric as part of their family, like a son to Renee. The story doesn't stop there though. Renee went to the courts along with her family and she was able to have Eric's sentence cut in half from 22 years to 11 years. He told me that day, the, the day of the hearing, that it didn't matter at this point. He said, you know, if, if the judge does not grant this for me, I want you to know that I am so grateful that you are willing to do this. And um, he said, and I will be okay. He said, I'll, I'll be fine. But I'm just, I, he was blown away by the fact that we were willing to go before the judge and, and you know, plead for him to not have to be there for 22 years. Give away the last thing on your mind today, and it always goes to those who don't deserve. It's the opposite of how you feel when the pain they cause is just too real. It takes everything you have to say the word forgiveness. I was more than angry at Eric. I had so much rage inside of me, and yet the moment that I was able to look Eric in his eyes and tell him that I forgive him, you know, that was a moment that healing began for both of us. It's always anger's own worst enemy. And even when the jury and the judge say you got a right to hold a grudge, it's the whisper in your ear saying, set it free. Forgiveness. A judge and a jury telling you that it's okay to hold a grudge, you know, that's what the world says. It's okay for you to feel that way, which it is. But yet, those feelings, they're inside of you eating away at you, and, and you don't want to live your life that way. Forgiveness. 
there are people who are not going to ever have someone say to them, I'm sorry for what I did, or I take responsibility for what I did, and you still have to forgive if you want to heal. It can even set a prisoner free. There is no end to what its power can do. So let it go and be amazed by what you see through eyes of grace. The prisoner that it really frees is you. Forgiveness. You're not letting go of what happened. You know, it is wrong. It, it should never have happened. It is not okay. It doesn't mean that you're canceling any of that out. But once you are able to say those words and truly mean it, you know, um, then you do find that you're setting a prisoner free. And the prisoner truly is you. Show me how to love the unlovable. Show me how to reach the unreachable. Help me now to do the impossible. Forgiveness, I want to finally set it free. Show me how to see what your mercy sees. Thanks, Rosine. I don't want to have to go through something like that. Can you believe that? Taking the life of their daughter. I get it was an accident. He didn't set out to do that. But none of those things brought her back. But it brought Christ to this man. Think about what Father God was willing to do in sending Jesus to give his life, even if it were just one. We like to throw that around as maybe, you know, kind of make things little bit more dramatic in terms of what Jesus did, but literally if it were just one, he would have done that. He would have done what he did. Listen to these words as Matthew in his gospel expands on what Luke was sharing in chapter 11. Right after he praise Jesus, you know, teaches them what we know as the, the Lord's Prayer. He says in verse 14 of chapter 6 in Matthew, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But, but, if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. If we refuse to forgive, we will not be forgiven our sins. Are we supposed to, you know, was her anger justified? Is God telling us that we can't be angry? 
if something happens to you, are we not allowed to be angry? He's not telling us to be robots, unfeeling or anything like that. You see much emotion and feeling and, and all that coming through the Psalms and the realities of life and the things that we face. The torment that people go through. But trusting God, putting those things in His hands, receiving His forgiveness. Listen to Colossians 3, 12-17. You must make allowance. In other words, it's going to happen. People are going to mess you over. You must make allowances for each other's faults and forgive the person who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. And the most important piece of clothing you must wear is love. Love is what binds us all together in perfect harmony. Matthew 18, 21-22. How many times are we supposed to forgive? There's this crazy magic number, 70 times 7. Over and over again, it's an infinite amount of times. Jesus wasn't just saying this about how we're supposed to relate to one another, but he's also describing how he relates to us. Again, if he hadn't already done it, then it wouldn't be possible for us. I would challenge you to even look at Scripture. I begin to look at this and say, does God even in His Word call us or direct us to even ask Him for forgiveness? Are we even directed to ask Him for forgiveness? That, I believe this is, demonstrates how complete His forgiveness is. And again, um, let's look at... Uh, 1 John chapter 1 and uh, in verse 9. For starting in verse 8, if we say we have no sin, we're only fooling ourselves and refusing to accept the truth. But if we confess our sins to Him, He is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from every wrong. Did it direct us to ask for forgiveness or to confess our sins? If we confess our sins, what is our responsibility to do? To receive the forgiveness that He has given us. This is so important for us to get. Again, it's not about, it's not about re- forgiving ourselves, but realizing that forgiveness with God is not a matter of what we have done. It's a matter of what Christ has done on the cross. It's what He has accomplished already. That sets us free. I, I could never forgive myself even for some of the things that I've done. I was reconnecting just for a moment with Matt Parker over here. We grew up next door to one another and uh, he and his parents, um, they went to this church here at Northgate years ago uh, before uh, we landed here. But um, anyway, it was, you know, I was thinking, I wonder if there's things that I, because I'm, I'm a few years older than him. And so he was kind of, you know, some of the runts in the cul-de-sac when we grew up. And there were lots of guys, you know, we'd get out there and we'd play together. But I was thinking as I was walking away to come back up here and kind of, you know, give the announcement and stuff. I was thinking, I wonder if there's things that I did to him that he remembers that I've forgotten that I need to go back and ask for forgiveness for. When I was in high school, I went to, I think I told this story before, but when I was in high school, uh, 
when I was a senior doing the stupid things that seniors do to underclassmen. But there's this guy, you know, your sins will find you out. And the things that you did in secret will be shouted from the rooftops, right? Well, this, in this case, they were shouted from the airwaves. Because there's a guy who is now a talk show host. And he was a freshman when I was a senior. And I did him wrong in high school. Evidently, I don't remember this. But I gave this guy a swirly or something like that with some other guys. If you're not familiar with what a swirly is, it's a horrible thing. But you take somebody, you dip their head in the toilet and flush it. I know. I'm so ashamed. I'm so ashamed. I have a hard time believing I actually did something like that. (laughs) So Matt, we can talk later, dude. And uh, you can help me out remembering those things. But anyway, so he says this over radio. Jen heard him. I didn't actually hear him, but she was listening to the radio and heard this guy say this. And he was, he still got, he's so mad still. Yeah, over the radio, he was calling me names. What's my response to that? I want to connect with him somehow, right? I, I messed it up then. I sinned against him, humiliated him. him, but now I've got an opportunity to go back and make it right. I wish I had heard it. You know? Can you imagine being able to call in on the radio? Um, hey man, it's me. Swirly guy. I was hanging out with some buddies of mine, and uh, we went down, went bowling, came back, hanging out in my room. My dad comes in. Where'd you get those new shoes? Uh, the bowling alley. The bowling alley. What do you mean? They're selling them down there. No. No, they're not. You stole those? Yeah, I guess you could put it that way. Yeah. Thought bowling shoes would be pretty cool. I'm in... Yeah. Disgusting. Come on, those are stylish. Definitely not worth risking stealing them for, though. (laughs) What do we do? Let's go get in the car. Back down to the bowling alley. So yes, we'd like to speak with the manager. Yes, sir, my son has something to share with you. Sir, I stole these shoes from you. Will you please forgive me? I was wrong. I'm a little bolder today. I was a puddle of tears then. Big high school jock, you know, and why? It broke me. Understanding what I was capable of, what I had done, and to face this man and then to try and make restitution. Sir, I'm, I'm willing to pay whatever I need to, whatever I need to do to make this right. He was so blown away that a father and son 
would come in and make that right, he said, you don't owe me anything. You actually made my day. I've never seen this happen before. If I'd had my way, I never would have gone back. But Dad pulled me in and I got to experience forgiveness. Wow. That weight coming off. Freedom into understand this thing that Jesus has given us that we get to give away to other people. You say, well, I might be, you know, I'm, I'm free. I don't, I don't have any of these trappings of unforgiveness or, you know, I'm not carrying any chains around with me. You know what? There are a myriad of people around you that are. You can practically see these packs on their back, this weight, these burdens. First of all, they've never received the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. They don't know what it's like to offload that huge thing because Jesus already took, him on, took it on Himself and paid for every single person who is alive. So our issue, I think really most of the time, our issue is, is not so much one of... of we don't know that we've been forgiven. It's the issue of feeling forgiven. Again, going back to that whole performance thing of trying to, you know, earn something that we can't earn. Jesus already gave it. You can't earn salvation and you can't earn His forgiveness. He gave it. Free. 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 Once and for all. Wow. Let me go through one more aspect of this scripture here, and then we'll bring things to a close for today. But this second part of chapter uh, chapter eleven is really amazing because it's going to talk to us. Jesus is going to share with us about position. And then after he finished talking about prayer, he used this illustration. Suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight wanting to borrow three loaves of bread. You would say to him, a friend of mine has just arrived for a visit and I have nothing for him to eat. He would call out from his bedroom, don't bother me. The door's locked for the night and we're all in bed. I can't help you at this time. But I tell you this, though, though he won't do it as a friend, if you keep knocking long enough, he will get up and give you what you want so his reputation won't be damaged. This was a cultural thing back then. You could not forbid, you know, reject someone if they came to you in a time of need. And so I tell you, keep on asking, Jesus says, and you will be given what you ask for. Keep on looking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open. For everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks finds. And the door is open to everyone who knocks. Your fathers, if your children, if your children ask for, you fathers, if your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? Or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Of course not. If you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? How much more will your heavenly Father give to those who ask Him? 
When it comes to prayer, we communicate to God things that are important to us, our dreams. We all have dreams. Most of them, in the essence of what they are, they're godly dreams. They're things that the Lord has put in you. They're passions. So many times we spend a lot of time rejecting those passions and dreams that God has given us, thinking that maybe those are, you know, well, I shouldn't want those things. And, you know, Damien, Damien loves motorcycle riding. I think that's a passion God has given him. I love to fish. I love to do things in the outdoors. I, I love those things. And I ask God for those things. And why he gives me stuff so that I can enjoy those things with my kids and all that, I don't know. Why would we be given things that we're given? Cars and all that when we were just in Kenya here not too long ago and they have nothing. Why would God answer our prayers? You ever think about that? When people that have so little and we... We have so much, and yet God continues to pour out more on us. Many they des- different ones desire to have children. Different ones desire to be married. And then there's the waiting. Then there's the waiting. And Jesus is talking about persistence, this persistence, this neighbor who keeps on, keeps on, keeps on, keeps on. What side of the house are they on? Are they on the inside or the outside, this person who's persistently knocking? They're on the outside, aren't they? Keep on knocking, keep on, because he's talking about this person who is being drawn by God. Because no one can come to the Father except through Christ. Except that the Holy Spirit would draw that person's heart. They can't come. You did not choose me. I chose you, Jesus says. So keep on persistently knocking when you have those desires in your heart. But he's talking about somebody who's outside the house. Who's outside the family. Most of the time we look at this from the perspective of the one who's knocking. But I also want to look at this from the perspective of those who are inside the house. Do you understand that if you're in Christ, that you have received the forgiveness for your sins, that Jesus Christ is Lord of your life, do you know that you're not on the outside knocking? You're on the inside. And so when you're asking God for certain things, He knows what you need even before you ask. You're the one that's in bed. You're the one that's secure. You're in that place of you know, security and salvation with the Lord. This scripture doesn't apply to you in terms of this. Oh, I've just got to, I've just got to keep pounding on the door because I, he, my Father's not giving me what I want. You're in the family. You're in the family. The argument is clear. Jesus is comparing this between a friend knocking on the door, saying that a friend, even a friend would get out of bed in the night to help. Well, we get to be like Jesus in that sense. Of being available, just as we talked about being ambassadors of Christ. Reaching out to other people because they're knocking. Or or to begin to be a part of their life in terms of awakening that drawing of the Lord in their life to say, keep knocking, keep knocking. Jesus said of people, different ones, you are not far from the kingdom. Like, dude, I see the life of God in you. I see some faith awakening in your heart. 
why don't you open up your, your life to Jesus today? Jesus is what you're looking for. And the reason why you're even looking in the first place is because He's drawing your heart. Let's knock on the door together. What a great invitation to give people what they're already searching for. That they could be reunited with their Father and be on the inside, no longer on the outside. I love that. We're not dealing with a friend in the night. Jesus is talking about our personal and our loving Father. Our loving Father helping us to understand our position with God. So what is the purpose of prayer? What is the purpose of prayer? God can absolutely be trusted. Whatever we receive when we ask, we can be confident that it's exactly what was needed for God to gain the most glory. Whatever His answer is, we can know that it's for God to gain the most glory. You guys, we all did, I know. Most of us were around when my, when my dad passed away. We prayed and we prayed and we prayed and we prayed that God would heal him. And our answers, our prayers were answered. Not even close to the way that we wanted them to be answered. But ultimately, we've got to place our trust in the Lord that He would gain the most glory. Is the issue that I understand? I don't understand. It's over two years now. I don't have, I really, it doesn't make sense to me at all. Oftentimes we lead with, I don't understand why this is happening, but trust is the key. It's what He's building in us. Some, t- some of the things that God does, we will never fully understand this side of heaven. We won't. We won't get the answer to it. So the goal is not understanding, is it? The goal is for us to persist in prayer. Not an attempt to change God's mind, but a journey that prepares our heart to trust Him regardless of the outcome. I'm going to say that again. Our goal in prayer is not to change God's mind, but this is a journey preparing our heart to trust Him regardless of the outcome. That is a gift that we all can give to someone else. We all can give that away. We've been persisting in prayer. For a lot of different people, we've been praying. Louise, we've been praying for you. Just health and different things. Linda and uh, Lauren Ray, you know. And we heard last week, man, such an answer to prayer. But you know, some of them, some of the things that we pray for go on and on and on and on. And we go, when is this going to end? God, when are you going to answer my prayer? He is. He is. Because He's changing us more into His likeness. If we can learn to trust, we're going to look more and more like Him. More and more like Him. So what happens if I can't remember all my sins that I've committed? That's not the issue. I could never remember all the sins that I've committed. I can't even remember what I did to Matt Parker when I was a kid. 
Jesus covers all of those things in the cross where he died and paid that price, past, present, and future. The issue is us receiving his forgiveness. Psalm 103, 12, why don't you stand with me? says that he has received our he has excuse me he has forgiven our sins he has forgiven our sins as far as the east is from the west wow i want to give us an opportunity you know there I've, as i've mentioned the things that that i have that i i can't remember Sometimes, though, I've asked the Lord, Lord, would you help me remember the things that I can't remember so that I can go make them right? So that I can go, you know, give a piece of the life of Christ to somebody else so that they can feel that forgiveness or they can, you know, be able to say to me, you know what, you really wronged me. I got that gift out over the airwaves for everyone to hear. This morning, you, you may be um, struggling with this whole idea of trying to forgive yourself for something that you've done to someone else. You know what? What happens if they never forgive you? If they absolutely refuse to say, I'll never forgive you. Are you going to stay stuck just because of that? Or this morning being able to receive the forgiveness of Jesus for all of your sins, all the things that you've done once and for all. It's not that we don't feel remorse or or anything like that over the things that we've done, but I want to give you an opportunity just to receive the forgiveness of Christ. There's some of those things that have just been haunting you for years. You have an opportunity for freedom this morning. And maybe you just maybe you're saying, "I need prayer. I need I need somebody to pray with me, agree with me for that." But I'm telling you, just for you to be able to say, "Jesus, I forgive," or excuse me, "I receive your forgiveness." I, I can't I can't pay it back. I can't do any of those things. But right now, I receive your forgiveness. And just confess that sin. And he says, he is just. Okay, he knows what you deserve, what I deserve. But he is just, but he is faithful to forgive you for the things that you have done to others in spite of, in spite of whether or not they will forgive you or not. That is ours in Jesus. That's part of our inheritance to receive that. That's you, just do that. Just take that opportunity to receive what He has already given and what He has already paid. As well as Holy Spirit may, even in some of the stupid stories that I shared, brought up examples of things from your past that He's saying, He's putting His finger on it. He's saying, you know what? I want you to go give somebody a piece of me. Give them a piece of me. But to give them a piece of Christ as you go to that person and say, you know what I did, we know what I did to you all those years ago. Good friend of mine, Sean Allen, you know, before he came to Christ, he stole a ton of stuff and 
you know, he shares his testimony. It's a powerful story. But he went back and he made restitution with all the people that he had stolen from. And he paid back all the money that he had, that he had taken from employers and, you know, all these things. He went back and made that right. Is there anything that Holy Spirit is speaking to you about? That you can have freedom. You can go take the bowling shoes back. Amen. Holy Spirit, we thank You. You're so faithful. And we receive Your forgiveness right now. We receive Your forgiveness. We put our faith in You, Jesus. Your cross did it all. Did it past tense. Amen. Amen. Thank You, Lord. Thank You, Lord, for Your faithfulness to us giving us your heart. Amen. Well, you want to hear the score of the Seahawks game? Just kidding. I don't even know. But uh, you guys have a wonderful afternoon. It's great. You can hang out as long as you'd like to. Bless you. Bye-bye.